Amen. Thank you, God. I, you know, I really cannot put it into words how much of baptism just encourages me. And when I look into the face of that young man, that me and Paxton and David and our families didn't even know, well, he wasn't even thought of almost 22 years ago. And to know now, he's saying, I've accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and I want to be discipled. When I look into his eyes, and then I look into to, to Landon Hamby's, who grew up here, and now he's pastoring a church here in town. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged to keep going, to stay committed, and to not think that I'm too old. I can be relevant. I spend about five minutes on Facebook and I'm as relevant as the next person. Amen? <laughs> We're at the last one of the, the series. And uh, if you don't take out your message notes, we've uh, been talking about a foundation of, of a, a life well lived. We talked about last week about knowing your identity. We've got to know our identity. We got to know who we are. Then we got to know and be able to tell the, the right timing. Then today we got to know what we're supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? These are the ingredients for a successful life, a good foundation for a successful life. Who would you guess, just right off the top of your head, was the greatest? King in the Bible. Now, when I some of you guys already read the first passage, so you know, but but I just tell you when I first thought, I thought of David, you know, he wrote a bunch of Psalms and he was after God's own heart. Then I thought of Solomon, Solomon, because he was the wisest king. But that's really not true. God says it was Hezekiah. Second Kings. Chapter 18 says he was 25 years old when he became king. That's when you start, when the, when the, when the young man starts using his decision making of his brain. Some wait a little longer. Some that are kin to me, I'm afraid, may wait a little longer than that. <laughs> and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Ooh, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all of his commands. The Lord had given Moses, so the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Man. Successful in everything he did. How would you like it if God could say that about you? Nobody else came close 
Why was he the greatest? Because he did. He was obedient to what God had called him to do. He knew his purpose. He, he, he could discern the right timing. If you want to be successful, you and me, we better, we better study this man's life. But later on, Hezekiah had some health problems. But Hezekiah is not ready to die. I want you to read something. I want to read you something out of Isaiah. Oh, somebody stuck a Valentine's Day card in my Bible. Oh, it's a pop-up of a whale. It actually matches my shirt. Happy Valentine's Day, your secret admirer. All right, go ahead on. Papa was a rolling stone. <laughs> Let me get back to this before I get way off. Isaiah 38, 1 through 5. I'm going to read this out of the message uh, translation. At that time, Hezekiah got sick. He was about to die. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, visited him and said, God says, prepare your affairs and your family. This is it. You're going to die. You are not going to get well. Hezekiah turned away from Isaiah and facing the wall, prayed to God, God, please, I beg you, remember how I live my life. I've lived faithfully in your presence, lived out of a heart that was totally yours. You've seen how I've lived, the good that I have done. And Hezekiah wept as he prayed, painful tears. Then God told Isaiah, go and speak with Hezekiah. Give him this message from me. God, the God of your ancestor David, I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Here's what I'll do. I'll add 15 years to your life. That is incredible. That is amazing. He asked God to extend his life in his ministry. He said, notice my life, God. I've been faithful. I've been impactful for you. And dig this. God agreed with him. God agreed with him. This is great. I want to give you three personal questions. I wrote them on my Facebook thing this morning, folks. If God asked you, let's make it personal. If God asked you to give him reason why he should let you live for 15 years longer, what would you say? What would you say? The second question I've got here, personally, think about this. If God reviewed the last 15 years of your life, would he be eager to give you 15 more? Think about that. Last personal question is this. Are you willing to use the rest of your life the way that God planned for you to use it? To obedient? To serve God? And if your answer is no, then why should God give you another day to waste? 
Why should he give you another day to wait? But if your answer is yes, I want you to listen very closely to the rest of this message. We've talked about it before, but I want you to hear it again to learn God's five purposes for your life and for mine. God chose to give Hezekiah 15 more years because he had made the most of his previous years. Hezekiah didn't waste them. He didn't waste them. Ephesians 5, this is a two-Bible day. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Are you being careful with your life? Are you living wisely? Are you making the most of your time, taking every opportunity to do good? Are you making sure that you know what God wants to do with your life? Let me read 2 Timothy 2.21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. What he's saying there is keep your life clean. Keep your life clean. Let's jump into these real quick. Five purposes of your life. Uh, uh, and I want to tell you something. These ain't no secret. These, these are not secret. They're in the Bible. Number one, the first purpose is this. Number one, God wants me to center my life around him. God wants me to center my life around him. Fill in your blank. He wants you to center your life, not lead a self-centered life, but a God-centered life. What does that mean? He wants you to be, he wants you and he wants me to build our life with him at the core. He don't want us to build our life with him just a part of it. With him just a section of it. He wants us to build our lives with him at the core of it. He wants to be and needs to be the focus of our attention, to be in love with him. What was the most important command uh, that Jesus gave? I, I wrote it down there, Matthew 22. Jesus said this. It means they'll be in red letters. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. First and greatest, to let God love you and you love him back. To know him and to love him is the most important commandment. Now this first purpose is called worship. It's called worship. And a lot of people think that when we say worship, we're talking about singing. That's just one way. There's hundreds of ways to, to worship. You know, for an example, every Friday 
I worship. Every first of the month, I worship. How do you worship every Friday and every first of the month? Through Church Center app, I give. I tithe. And it makes me so happy to give back what he has given me. Though I'm alone, at the time I do it, I am not alone. And I worship. I worship. Many, many ways to worship. Worship is just simply enjoying God's love and loving him back. When you talk to him, when you listen, that's worship. I really like doing that. Just listening. Worship is centering our life around God. That's what worship is. The truth is this. You're going to center your life around something. It may be a career. It may be family. It may be a person. It may be money. It may be power or influence. It could even be a hobby. But anything besides God that's at the center of your life is called an idol. And God says that there will be no idols before me. No idols. I've told you before, whatever you think of most is your God. How do you know? How do you know when something's taking the place of God at the center of your life? Write this down, because you need to know. You start worrying about it. You start worrying about it. You start worrying about whether you're going to lose it. You start worrying about whether somebody's going to steal it. You start worrying about whether he's going to leave you or she's going to leave you. Worry is just this warning light that there's something beside God in the center of your life. That's what worry is. It's just a warning light. So how can you tell when God's at the center of your life? Because this is important. Write this down. This is how you tell when God's at the center of your life. You are at peace. The Bible says you're at peace when God's at the center of your life. Philippians 4, 7. I love this in the message paraphrase. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens, look here, when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. If Christ is at the center of your life, worry ain't. Amen? If Christ is at the center of your life, you get peace. Worship is the antidote to worry. So I got to ask you in 2020, what's going to be at the center of your life? Let me just throw something in there. There's nothing else strong enough to hold you together besides God. Nothing else strong enough. Number two, the second purpose is this. God wants me to learn to love his family. He wants me to learn to love his family. His family. 
Why is God so interested in love? Nanny said it Sunday night, because God is love. He is love. It's why he created you and me. He wanted a family, and that family is called the church. The church and his word is the only thing that's going to last. He wants you and I to find a church and join it and commit to it. To all these, I think there's 56 one another's in the Bible. Love one another. Help one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on. All these one another's. That's what we do on Sunday mornings. We're doing a whole bunch of one another's. Amen? Church is where we learn to love. It's easy to, to love people who are lovely like you. Amen? It's easy to do that. But he throwed us together in the church so that we could love unlovely people. All of y'all ain't lovely. <laughs> it reminded me of a poem I once read, and I, I tried to write it down. He's talking about heaven, you know, because in heaven, everybody will be lovely, you know. But it ain't that way here, is it? It says, to dwell above with those we love will be to his glory. To dwell below with those we know. That's another story. not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near find a church join the church commit to the church get to know the folks in the family of God get in there get in there join a small group if your small group's been lax like ours, ours has not meeting, start, start it up again. This second purpose is called fellowship, if you're filling in the blank, and I hope you are. Make it a habit. Guys, you and me, we were created for relationships. You know, when we, we are tied with other people, when we're connected to other people, our health is going to be better. Our health is going to be significantly better. Fellowship does that when we do life together with other people. How does God want us to do this? I wrote it down on the top, on the back side. It's from Acts, the book of Acts. I didn't write it down. It says in the Word. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They believed. They were baptized. They joined a, a church. They committed 
I'm going to tell you something, guys. This is a word that we have trouble with. We know what it means, committed, but we're scared to do it. They committed to regular worship. Y'all get that? As a family, they committed to regular worship and Bible study. They were connected to a small group and fellowship. Committed. They were committed to go to church on Sunday. We will commit to a travel ball team more than we will church. Amen. I said it. We're guilty of it. We will commit to, to, to all that stuff like that, but not the church. I don't get it. When the word says, commit to a church. So which of these steps have you taken? Which of these steps have you not taken? Third purpose is this. God wants me to, to cultivate spiritual maturity. Cultivate spiritual maturity. What does that mean? He wants us to become more and more like Jesus Christ each day. He wants us to grow up. He, he wants us to grow in God's family in His Word. He wants us to start thinking like Jesus, to have an attitude like Jesus. Hebrews 6.1 says this, let us go on and become mature in understanding as strong Christians ought to be. The third purpose is called discipleship. This is what, this is what Braden is asking for. A young boy. He said, what's next? He said, he, he asked his mom, he said, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? To be a disciple just means to be a student. That's what they do in the email. We're discipled. They're still doing it now. We got an email group going now. Young men are meeting up here at 730. I'm proud of them. We're growing. To be disciple means we're growing and we're, we're not stuck. But sadly, a lot of folks grow old, but not up. They're saved, but they're shallow. Or as someone of better English would say, saved, but shallow. Like a kid that never grew up. Wouldn't that be sad to have a kid and they never grow up? They just remain kids? You change diapers for like 70 years? <laughs> How do you know when you're growing up as a, as a Christian? Well, I think one of the ways is you're able to explain the Christian life to other people. You're able to explain that. 
Hebrews 5.12 says, by now you should be teachers. Instead, you still need somebody to teach you. Got an uh-oh out of that. <laughs> Maturity is when you can pass it on to others. All of us should be teaching somehow. And I'm not talking necessarily up here. Maybe it's in small groups. Maybe it's in the fours, the, the, the glow, the kids, the small, you know, small, seems like, you know, it seems like everyone has a plan for physical fitness. What do I mean by that? We come in, oh man, today leg day. You know what I'm talking about? Then today was arm day. Can you hand me that fork? And then yesterday was ab day for me. But we don't have a spiritual day. We don't have a mind day. We plan for other stuff. Which area of your life do you need to grow the most in 2020? In which area this year? Think about that today. Answer yourself. Which area do you need to grow the most? Is, is it in, in, in knowing the Bible? Is it fighting off temptation? Is it your faith? Is it, is it obedience to God? Is it in your discipline? Is it in your growth? Think about that. Number four, fourth purpose is this. God wants me to contribute something back. God wants me to contribute something back. Not just to live for yourself. Not just to live for yourself. We got a, y'all know we're going to have our first graduate from the Potter's House? February 22nd. Yeah, we're going to have our first graduate. And I want to tell you something. This lady, uh, her name is Tara, when she graduates, She's going to come back and be the house mother. Amen? She's coming back. She's learned. She's been discipled. And she'll continue to be discipled. And she's going to come back and contribute. So I want you guys to know. Is that on a Saturday of the graduation? We'll just make that announcement right now. What time is that? 11 to 1230. This is a fellowship hall. If y'all want to come to Terrence graduation, you've all been a part of it. You've all been a part of it. We invite you here. Contribute something back. You don't just, just you, you and me, we're not just put here to take up space and, and, and then die. I mean, he might as well just take us on to heaven if, if we're not going to contribute anything with our life. Amen? Might as well just go on back. We're to be unselfish. We're to be, be generous. To serve others. To use whatever other Talents that you have, abilities, you use your time, your opportunities that He has given you. First Peter four ten says, 
God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. You're all special. And he's given these abilities that we are to help one another. To give back. To make a contribution. To not just continually take. We've got too many takers. This fourth purpose is called ministry. Ministry. That's when you give back, when you make a contribution. When you serve someone else besides yourself, it's called ministry. Anytime you help someone else in any type of way, you just have ministered to them. When you use your talents to give back, you're a minister. You see, a servant and a minister are the same word in the Bible. They're the same. And we serve God. We can't serve God uh, uh, because he, we can't see him. But we serve God by serving others on earth. And we're put here to practice serving because we'll be serving in heaven. Guys, we weren't made to do nothing. To do nothing. You know, I'm in that stage now about retirement. I've been retired. Last week I've been retired from the post office seven years. I read a statistic that in New York, half of all men that retire will die within two years. They don't do nothing. A large percentage of men in New York don't do nothing. You know what nothing is? Nothing. They just watch TV. They do nothing. Guys, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're made to contribute. We're made to contribute to do something. So guys, one of these days, we're going to stand before God, and he's going to ask, what did you do with what I give you? What'd you do? Psalm 116, 12, I love it. It says, what can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? The question is, ask yourself that. Ask yourself that. I got to tell you, God gave me this incredible command of the English language. He gave me incredible wit. And that's what I'm using this for. We all want our lives to matter. I've told you, I've asked you before, nobody woke up this morning and said, I don't want to matter today. We all want our lives to matter. We all want to be significant. Let me tell you something about significance. It doesn't come from status. Significance doesn't come from from, from salary. It doesn't come from success. Here's where significance comes from. You can write this down. Service. 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 So my question is this. Where are you making an unselfish contribution to the world? 
Each one of you, where are you making an unselfish contribution to the world? Your purpose, where are you serving? Where are you serving without pay? Without pay. Number five. Fifth purpose, last one. God wants me to tell others about his love. God wants me to tell others about his love. Somebody told you. Who have you told? Who have you told? Pass it on. You know what? There's two things that you, you and I are not going to be able to do in heaven. You know what they are? Sin and share the good news with someone who ain't heard it. Because if they're there, they heard it. Now, which of these two things do you think that God left you here on earth to practice? To sin and lead a selfish life? Or to tell others about him? 2 Corinthians 5 says, All this is from God through Christ. God made peace between us and himself. And God gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we can have with him. So we have been sent to speak for Christ. It is as if God is calling you through us. We speak for Christ and we beg you to be at peace with God. That was the mantra of us three. One of them that we, when we started in North Point, I find it interesting that both families are sitting in front. We said one at a time. We're going to tell others about Christ. We're going to tell others about Christ and the peace that we can have. It's our mission. This fifth purpose is called witnessing. To be a witness of God's love. It's called witnessing. You're not a defense attorney. It's not up to you to convince anybody. You're a witness. And that's our job is to witness. You say, I don't know about all that, but here's what happened to me. Here's what Jesus has did for me. Our job is to witness. Every little thing that happens in our lives, I believe every little thing, whether it's where we used to be or whether it's how we are. We're to tell of the little miracles in our lives. Amen? Amen. I like to tell how, how God worked. I like to tell how, people how, how God answers my prayers. Because I'll be honest with you, sometimes he answers them so strong that I just know I'm his favorite. <laughs> I'll give you a little, ain't got nothing to do with the sermon, but it's kind of a neat story that happened to me this week. Luke went down uh, to uh, applied to Bartow Fire Department. He's taking his physical ability test. He gets down there Friday and, and there's a fireman down there and they say, you mind me asking you what you do? Now I want to tell you something. I had prayed in my, and you can see it in my journal Friday morning that Luke would somehow stand out among all the other candidates. Yet Luke said, I'm here to take my physical agility test. He said, Bud, that was yesterday. He's standing out now. 
he said, well, here it is. He said, the seventh, I was supposed to be here at 9.30. He said, show me that. Luke showed him the email and he sent it to the chief. Chief said, you tell that young man we'll be down there in a minute. We're going to give him a solo physical ability test. Well, I was telling James about it. James didn't know my prayer that was in my journal. He said, boy, that made him stand out, didn't it? <laughs> I like to walk with him. I like to walk with him. And that's my testimony. Part of my testimony. You got one too. And you know what? Nobody knows you like you do. It's your testimony. It's yours. And here's another thing. You don't even have to know all the Bible to be a witness. You don't even have to know all the Bible. As a matter of fact, you, you may not even, you just may not know much of it at all. But you can be a witness at home, at work. They witnessed to Braden at home. The young man that was, was, was baptized today. You can, you can be you're a witness on vacation. Amen. You're a witness in the market. Because guys, everybody you meet is going to spend eternity somewhere. Heaven or hell. They're going to spend eternity in one of those. And, and the greatest privilege that you and I have is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone. Guys, it's the greatest news ever that our past can be forgiven, that we have a purpose for living, and a home in heaven. It is a privilege to share that. We communicate our lives and our witness with our words and our actions. I want to put pen to paper. Who do you know? Who do you know that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? Who do you know? Write that name down. I want to tell you this as you're writing it down. I want you to get this. If you know them and they don't know Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, you have some responsibility here. Not me. You got some responsibility. That's your fifth purpose is to help them meet Jesus. Now, my responsibility and them two's responsibility and their families came later. Here's what you can do with that person. And I hope you wrote their name down because I want you to remember it. You need to start praying for them. God answers prayers. Remember, he stood out. God answers prayers. And, and you're going to see doors open. Answer those prayers. And then here's where, where we come in, where, where God took three families that were completely different to begin this church. Invite that person to church. Invite that person to church. And I'm going to tell you, Jeff and Sue and the band, we're going to be ready for them. We're going to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Donna Williams and the crew back there and the kids, they're going to be ready for their kids. Invite that person to church. Pray, invite. And maybe share your story. That's what Paxton always talks about. Everybody got a story. Share your story. It's your story. The thing is, you also don't have to do it all by yourself. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Thank you for getting her some water. I was going to throw you mine, but I didn't have one up here. That's what we do. Just a simple act of giving somebody water. But if you, your friend, you ain't got to do this by yourself, like I said. That's why we have church on Sunday. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have celebrate recovery. That's why we have a one. That's why we have it with basketball. We're all in this thing together. We're all in this thing together. If you get tongue-tied, bring them to, bring them to one of us. It's just important. It's important. We got the greatest news. It's your purpose. It's my purpose. Now, would you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today? I would invite you to a, into a relationship with Him that could begin today. I want to tell you, I don't know where you're at, but Jesus offers a far better life. A far better life. I don't know what you're worried about, but if you'll make Him your center, worry will be displaced with peace. Let's pray. My Lord, I know, I know, I know, I know what you did for me and my family. But I know you didn't bring us this far to, to let us go. I know that there's others that, that need to know who you are. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you would empower the people here at North Point Church, that they would discover their purpose. Not for our growth, but your growth. Not so that North Point's name would be, be out and above and how things are growing, but that your name would be glorified. And I pray for each name that was written down today in that block. I begin to pray now for opportunities for that friend to invite that friend to you to share their story. Lord, I love you, and it's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen.
give life. You are love. You 